Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Presbyterian. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday as we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. As we look at Jesus' ride into the city, we'll continue our study into Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to hear about Paul's calling to deliver the gospel to the Gentiles as a steward of God's grace. Thanks for listening as we explore grace together. Have you ever had the privilege of being uh, the person to deliver good news? Uh, so-and-so just got married or uh, so-and-so. Did you hear they just got engaged? Right, That's a fun one. Um, how about the, the announcement of graduation or a new birth? That's probably one of my favorite ones. And this week, I'm happy to announce my sister had a newborn baby. Uh, Breslin J. Hoffman, and that's her and her family there with her, her other daughter, Finley. Uh, Breslin was born this past week, and a cute little thing. I've only heard her kind of squeak on the phone, but looking forward to meeting her someday. Uh, the interesting thing about announcements is that you are never the one, the messenger is never the one who's receiving the praise from it. That would be crazy. Right? If I were to come to you and say, my announcement is my sister had a baby and you all would all congratulate me, you'd, you'd want to congratulate who? You want to congratulate her. It's, it's never the, the messenger. Who is it? It's the message that we're after. Not, not the messenger. It's the message that we need to listen to. In the story today that uh, Lois read for us, it's the triumphal entry. And the triumphal entry is one story that makes its way through all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can turn to all of them and you will find this story. Uh, you don't find that with all, all of the stories that Jesus tells. But this one in particular, you find throughout. I'm convicted, though, that in this story, there is a, uh, there's a message that we need to hold to. Because if you can recall, what is it that the crowds are saying? Do you remember? It's a word. We've sang it a couple times now. What is it? Hosanna, right? Hosanna it means save us, oh God. That's what it means. It means save us. And here's the picture that Jesus is making his way uh, on a donkey down through the streets of, uh, from Bethany into, and Bethany's just a neighboring town, uh, very poor people there. But as they see Jesus coming in, they're declaring him to be their king. Hosanna, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's the son of David. They recognize him to be their king. Where are the disciples? Do you know where the disciples are here? They're, they're right there as well. They're, they're following and they're, and, and they're listening to the crowd and they're part of the triumphal entry that's walking into Jerusalem. Now fast forward. Where is the crowd one week from now? They have a different anthem on their lips. It's not Hosanna anymore. What is it? It's crucify him. That within the span of one week, the tune is altogether different. It's completely changed. Let, let's, let's look at the disciples. right? How about the disciples? Uh, they're right there marching with Jesus. Proud that the moment has come. The unveiling of the Messiahship of Jesus has come. And where are they one week later? Say nowhere to be found. They're nowhere to be found. They scattered, as Jesus says, when the shepherd is struck, the sheep scatter. And all of them, all of them leave Jesus. Even if you remember in the upper room, just a couple days from this moment, the triumphal entry, there they are saying, even if you have to go to death, I'll go with you. Remember Peter? I'll go. And they all pledge. Every one of them says the same thing. I, I will never 
betray you. I won't ever leave you. And yet every one of them do. So what do we make of Palm Sunday? Kind of, kind of seems like lip service, doesn't it? Kind of seems like there's maybe good intentions, but there's really no follow through. Except, except for one. There's one other character in the story uh, who is faithful. It's the one that I want to draw our attention to uh, this morning. It's the donkey, Ollie. <laughs> I want to encourage the church that as we look to the pattern of behavior, I don't want you to be like the disciples. I don't want you to be like the crowd. I want you to be like Ollie, the donkey. Uh, This donkey is uh, fetched unbecomingly. He doesn't have anything that he remotely can offer. In fact, if if you wouldn't mind, turn with me to Mark's gospel once again. I just want to point out a couple things in this story concerning Ollie. Mark chapter 11 is where I'd ask you to turn. In Mark 11, look with me in verse 2. In fact, let's just start at the beginning. Verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples. So they're, they're arriving ahead of time, and Jesus is going to send two of them ahead in order to get this donkey. He says, Go into the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has. What's your Bible say? Yeah, this is not an animal that's been broken in. If you've ever ridden horses before, <laughs> you, you want to ride the ones that know what they're doing, that are used to having somebody on their back. Otherwise, they might buck you off. That happened to me. Has that ever happened to anybody else? Am I the only one here? Yeah, so you want to make sure that you've got an experienced animal, but that's not this one. That's not this one. Uh, no one's ever ridden. Um, untie it and bring it here. Uh, look at this. The people there don't even know what the donkey's doing there. Right? Verse 3, if anyone asks, why are you doing this? Tell them the Lord needs it. We'll send it back to you shortly. There isn't even a prolonged use for the donkey. It's needed for a single purpose. And here's the purpose. The donkey carries Jesus. The donkey carries Jesus. How foolish it would be for the donkey. Imagine if you were the donkey making your way right down the streets and you saw everybody laying cloaks in front of you. And you saw people taking palm branches and laying those in front of you. For me? What what might you think if you were the donkey? Well, this is all for me. Right? The donkey could be very confused. But you got to remember that the donkey is only the messenger. The donkey is the one carrying the one who really matters. And it's the message of Jesus that counts. I don't want us to be like the disciples who have a, a misunderstanding of the Jesus that they follow. I don't want us to be like the crowd that, you know, when, the, when it hits our whim right and when it's convenient, we'll offer God lip service on Sunday. I want us to be like Ollie the donkey. That we would be those who without any pretense of our own, not coming with our big list of, hey, you should choose me. No, no one's ever even ridden this donkey. That our task is simply to carry the Savior everywhere we go, making sure that we're never deflecting the glory onto ourselves. How foolish it would be for the messenger to think they're the ones to deserve the praise. But rather, I want us to be the ones that 
carry Jesus. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians. I've entitled this message, Administering Grace. And as we continue in the book of Ephesians, we're going to find that the Apostle Paul is going to reveal to them a specific calling that he has on his life. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read through uh, the first 13 verses. And then I've got three uh, conclusions and a couple of questions, and then we're done for this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Helen, what page are we? 1820. Here we go. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it, now, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was... That now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. This fantastic passage Paul knits together where we left off last week. Do you remember the story of the Jews and the Gentiles from last week? And, and what did God desire to do with the two of them? He took the two and made them one. So that grace is experienced how? Together. That grace is experienced together. In fact, you might find that repeated to the keen Bible observer in verse 6. Did you see that? Paul calls it a mystery, this idea of these two peoples coming together. Verse 6 says, The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Did you see the word together? Let's, let's keep reading, see if it's repeated again. Members together of one body. Yeah, it shows up twice. Let's keep reading. And sharers, what? Together in the promise of Christ Jesus. That when Paul wants to unfold what the grace of God looks like, it is defined as that which is seen in unity as people, as sinners, really, sinners come together under the forgiveness of God's loving care and grace. The word I want you to look at here at the beginning is in verse 2. He says he has the administration of of God's grace. Um, there, the New English translation, I think, I like the translation a little bit better. It says it's the stewardship of God's grace. That's what the word administration means. If you're an administrator, it means that you have oversight to make sure everything happens accordingly. 
And God entrusted to Paul the message of reconciliation. That God was bringing all people together. He calls it a mystery because they didn't understand it in the past. In the past, in a previous dispensation, if you wanted to come to God, you had to become what nationality? You had to become Jewish. Right? So if you wanted to come to God, you had to become Jewish. But now, through Christ, grace gets extended to the Gentiles as well. Paul has been given this mystery. He's been made aware of it. And now that he's been made aware of it, God expects that he will make it known. And that's what this word administration means. It means stewardship, dispensation, commissioning. Namely, making known. Making grace known. I'm going to say it again because you've got to catch this. Making the grace of God known. What did the pastor preach on this morning? Making the grace of God known. It's called administering grace Sharing the good news and sharing it in the way in which we treat one another. That was the primary problem within Jews and Gentiles. If you read through the book of Acts, uh, those who are circumcised, the Jewish people, when they see Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit, the word that uh, Luke gives us in the book of Acts is that they are astonished. Can you show me by your faces what astonished looks like? Ready? One, two, three. They're astonished. They can't believe it that now the Gentiles also have the Holy Spirit. But the primary place and where we need to see this lived out is in reality of how we treat one another. How we extend grace to one another. How we give one another the benefit of the doubt. Now this doesn't mean that we don't say, oh well we never judge, we never judge. Well, we have the word of God to use as our judge. We have the Holy Spirit to use as our guide with that. But as believers... We make sure that the same measure that we would hold to ourselves, this is what the Bible says, how you would judge yourself is how you judge one another. The measure that you use to one another is how you yourself will be. We prayed it already this morning. Forgive us our sins, even as we forgive others their sins. We extend grace, church. We administer grace. This is what Paul is telling the church. This is Paul's job. I want you to look in verse 7. He mentions this again, that the way in which he does this is as a, what's his job title in verse 7? As a servant. As a servant of this gospel. So the mystery is wrapped up in, in, the, in the concept of grace. It's, it's otherwise called a mystery of the gospel. And Paul here says that he is a servant of this gospel. Um, the picture in my mind is um, like a server at a fancy restaurant. You know, like those, uh, know, it's like a cartoon in my mind, but the, a picture of a French restaurant, oui, oui, yes, monsieur. They've got that bowl and they bring it, and what they say for your entree tonight, and they, whoo, they show you, right? What are they doing? They're, they're serving is what they're doing, but they're revealing something. They're, they're carrying something. They're making known something. That's what Paul says he is. That's what you are. You are like a little servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like that French waiter, and everywhere you go, you're revealing the grace of God. i got to quit with the accent. But <laughs> you all get the idea, right? Now, how do you get this job? How is it that you get this job of being a servant? Look with me in verse 7, because Paul tells us, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. 
Not is it only the reconciliating grace of God that we reveal, but it is by grace that we are servants to reveal it. Paul says that he's a servant of the gospel, of the grace of God. Being a servant means showing off. That's what it means. Showing off for God. What did the donkey do? Who did the donkey show off? Jesus. That was the donkey's job, to carry Jesus. It means displaying the specific message of God's grace. For Paul, it was unique to Jew and Gentile. That, that was Paul's unique way of showing that. So he is revealing grace to this cultural dynamic where people don't get along. What about us? Can you identify any place in your life where people aren't getting along? Everybody's like, yep. I don't even have to look further than my family to recognize that there's places where grace is needed. And I need to be like that French waiter. I need to be like Paul, a servant of the gospel, revealing this kind of grace. All right, one last verse I want you to see is in verse 8. Because Paul now is going to understand what it means to be a servant. Verse 8, look at this. Although I am less than the least of all God's people. Oh, Paul, don't, don't sell yourself so short, right? What does he call himself? Less than the Think about that for a minute. He's not even calling himself the least. He's calling himself less than the least. It's an amazing attitude, right? It's an amazing attitude that goes into being a servant of God. Jesus didn't, he didn't pick a horse to ride on. He will ride on a horse, church. He will. That day is coming. But he didn't when he extends grace. He chose little old Ollie who nobody ever rid on. Nobody, nobody's ever ridden on this donkey. Young, inexperienced, didn't have his degree from the Bible college, right? ne- never served as a de- deacon or an elder, just tied up there, just waiting, just ready to serve, ready to carry Jesus. That attitude is the attitude Paul has. Do you see what he says? Look again, I, although I am less than the least of all God's people, How foolish it would be for the messenger to think it was all about them. How foolish it would be. It is not about the messenger. It's not about you. It's not about me. Many times as we uh, come to church, I will pray a silent prayer in my heart that just asks, God, I pray that you are glorified. And if you can be more glorified by me looking foolish, then God, let me look foolish. Why? Because it's not about me. I think I achieved that this morning with my French accent too. So, <laughs> Our goal as messengers is to carry the king, not receive the praise ourselves. Paul helps us with that perspective in verse 8. I have three points of conclusion that I want to share with you this morning. Number one is this. God's plan is that we make Christ known. That's God's plan. He has changed this. I want you to look at verse 10, because this, this floored me when I first saw it. Verse 10 says, after he says that the administration of this ministry, uh, mystery, remember Paul's task of sharing grace, verse 10, God's intent, God's intent was now through the, what? Through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, what's that mean? The rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Um, There's a lot of discussion in the commentaries about this, but basically I think this is what Paul's saying. He's talking about the angelic messengers and that they used to be the ones 
through whom God delivered his wisdom. Think with me in the Old Testament. Right? God would speak through an angel. A messenger from God would come and he would deliver the wisdom of God to the people. But God reverses this now. After the coming of Jesus Christ, God doesn't speak through the angels anymore. Who is he speaking through? He's speaking through the church. In fact, he is sharing the manifold wisdom of God, which in this sense is that all-encompassing gospel of his grace. That's his wisdom. And look what it says. His intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the angels. The angels don't understand salvation the way we, those who have fallen away from him, do. We understand it. And you are not able to give grace unless you yourself have first received grace. But once you have, God says, now I'm going to speak through you. I'm going, to, I'm going to educate my angels even for what my wisdom on earth looks like when God's creatures come together and they extend grace together. So number one, God's plan is that we make Christ known. That's his plan. Number two is this. The grace of God is the message. We are just the messengers. The grace of God is the message, and we are just the messengers. We've already seen in verse 8, when Paul wants to uh, account his status as this servant, he says, I'm less than the least. Don't confuse me. Don't praise me. There's a, there's a story in the book of Acts where he's traveling, and uh, the people come and they think that he and Barnabas are gods. That's what they say. They, they speak so well, the people are like, you must be a god. And the apostles get so upset, they tear their clothes and they beg the people and they say, look, man, you got this wrong. It's not about us. There is only one God. It's not about us. He doesn't let that confusion come to the Ephesians. He says, I'm less than the least. Don't ever confuse me with the message. The message is God's grace. And we are simply the messengers. An untrained, humble donkey. An untrained, humble donkey is what God chose to carry his son into his messiahship. I want you to see how Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. This is what he says about those that he chooses. Like the donkey, see if we fall anywhere in these categories. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Any amens there? Foolish! That's right, amen! Um, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Who here is weak? Anybody? Okay. Uh, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not if you think that God chose you and redeemed you because you bring something for God that he just got to have, you're, you're, you're mistaking the message for the messenger. God chooses those who are unqualified. God chooses those who are unqualified to be those that carry his message. Uh, raise your hand if you went to Bible college. All right, so everyone other than Teresa, you're, you're qualified. Teresa, you're disqualified. Um, anyone here ever serve as a pastor? All right, so you two, you're, you're disqualified too. Guess what? Everyone else, you're qualified. Everybody else is qualified. Because that's who God chooses to carry his message of grace. Not those who have been well-trained, even though we need those in the church. And God gifts those in the church to serve the church so that together we experience grace. Look at the end of this. To nullify the things that are so that, <laughs> always pay attention to the so that, so that what? No one may boast 
Um, I included this verse after this because I think he's saying the same thing. Paul says in Ephesians 2, For it is by grace that you have been saved. There's the word, right? Grace. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works. So that no one can boast. The grace of God is the message. We're just the messengers. How foolish it would be for me to bring good news and think you should praise me. My sister had a baby. That's the message I'm giving. I'm not the one that stands in glory for the message. It belongs to somebody else. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to understand that same thing. The grace of God is the message. We're just the messengers. Number three, finally, is this. Through Christ. And really, it says in verse 13, through Christ and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. Do you see that in verse 13? If you're in the habit of underlining your, in your Bible, I encourage you to pay attention there. In Christ and through Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. It doesn't say uh, through righteous works. Anyone's Bible say through righteous works? Or does it say through Christ? It didn't say through denominational affiliation. I don't have that version. My Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say through doctrinal assent. It doesn't say through bachelor's and master's degrees. It doesn't say through family lineage. It doesn't say through effort and will. It doesn't say through self-deprecation and fasting. What does it say? Through faith in Christ. I, I make a point of this. It's my third point in the message because I believe that someone needs to hear that this morning. You can have confidence to go to God. You have freedom to go to God because Jesus Christ has made the way for you. This is called grace. And if it's true that the confidence that you have is purchased for you by the blood of Christ, how dare any of us restrict another's freedom to also come to God? There might be people that you're struggling with, coworkers, family members. I struggle with people with that messed up, self-centered ideology that they want to kill Christians over in the Middle East and those ISIS fighters and, and how the religion of Islam has entrapped people. I struggle with that. They need Jesus Christ as well. And the freedom that I enjoy is the same freedom I have to extend to them. You know what that's called, church? That's called administering grace. Administering grace. I want to end this morning by asking just a couple of questions. And this is what you need to think through this week. Ask yourself and find an answer for this. Really challenge you to do it. Don't let this message just be a Palm Sunday thing we did and then leave. Think about these things. Can you answer, how am I making Jesus known? Where am I carrying Jesus? And lastly, how can I keep the messenger... From getting in the way of the message. How can I make this thing more clear? Make sure I'm not confusing people. I want you to pray over these questions and see if you can answer them. And if that's a tough thing for you to do, come see me. And let's talk about what it looks like. Because I promise you this. You don't have to be well trained. God chooses the unqualified. You don't have to be high and rich and a political juggernaut. God chooses the lowly. You don't need to be strong and 
man, listen to me. God chooses the weak. He does this so that none of us can boast. He does this so that he understands we all come to him with confidence, by freedom, through grace. Let's pray this morning.